2: Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to hundred dollars. Just visit PrizePicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at PrizePicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy.
4: Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all
0: about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. Are oh, yes you can, you're listening to Brent FC.
5: So the football winds are stirring. It's once more that time of year where the knockouts of the European Cups are drawing near and across the elite of Europe, hearts begin to flutter. Will they reach and claim the stars or will they end up in the gutter? Will the road rise up to meet them or leave them high and dry? And who will lift on a warm May night those handles to the sky? Eight ties to kick us off with, eight ties poised on a knife, eight ties to be decided through skill and blood and strife. Can the holders keep their nerve against a resurgent sky blue tide? And Real Madrid once more face up to the neutrals' favorite side. The chaos of the Gladbach Falls hit the sure-footedness of City, and Dortmund on the brink come up against Sevilla sitting pretty. Juve look to have found some rhythm. Can they quell the dragon? And can Leipzig pile more misery on the Liverpool bandwagon? Athleti come to London. Can the Blues sink the Armada? And there's the small matter of a rerun of that famous Remontada. The biggest names, the biggest stage. It's time to dim the lights and fire up the anthem for those magic European nights. Old scores will be settled. Who will keep themselves on track? Ready yourselves, ladies and gents. The Champions League is back. Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to Ranks FC, your favourite football podcast. We're ahead of the curve. We're talking Champions League a week before anybody else, mostly because we release on Wednesdays. So and if we were to do it next week, it'd be well out of date. My name is Jack
4: Collins, and I'll be your host today. And joining me is the rank god, Mr. Samtai. Yeah, I like to think we've got great foresight here, Jack, but really it's just our own silly schedule forcing our hand. I'm good. I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah, the the Wednesday release does does do small, small things for
5: the Champions League. But it does mean, Dean, that we can talk about the Europa League next week and it's full glory.
6: <laughs> oh God, are we doing a whole show on it next week? We? Who
5: knows? <laughs> Who knows? How are you?
6: <laughs> I'm all right, mate. I'm all I've right. got the Champions League uh, thing tune in my head already. Excited about this one.
5: Excellent. Um, well, I, I would get straight into it. But unfortunately, there's a couple, of, a couple of admin bits we've got to do beforehand. And it's time for things we love. DJ, do you want to start us off?
6: Yeah, I think there's worse things in life than talking about things we love in football, isn't there? Um, the thing I absolutely love right now is watching Phil Foden. Um, now, if you're a Patreon, you've already heard, heard us rave about him. Um, on Monday's episode, but I know a lot of you aren't. So let's do it again, um, because it is a lot of fun talking about him. His display against Liverpool was as good as any top player I've ever seen in a game as big as that one. Um, He was absolutely immense. Um, He's he's 20 years old now. And we talked about the way that Pep's managed him so that he's got to a stage where he's now part of the team and feels completely comfortable in being so. He knows he deserves to be there, and he 100% does. Um, I was thinking back to a few years ago, actually, when at Bleacher Report, I wrote an article about how Foden impacted England's under-17 win over Spain when they beat them 5-2 in the World Cup final. Um, he was a mint. he scored two that day. Um, and as part of it, afterwards, I spoke to a guy called Joe Macon, who was the guy who was responsible for scouting him and taking him to Man City as an eight-year-old. Um, and I remember one of the things that he had said to me that stood out for him straight away when he was like in a city for his first very first days was nobody could get the ball off him. Nobody. He said, he said it was just like a to his feet. It's like he didn't want to compare him to Messi, obviously, because he knew that the interview was going out. But off the record, he was like in the same way that like Messi just keeps that ball at his feet and can get out of anything. Foden does. Exactly the same thing. And he said, look, every now and then you see a player who's just born with a gift, and Foden is one of those players. Um, and he absolutely is. And I think that even more with Phil Foden, he's a lovely lad. I mean, I've met him a couple of times, and one occasion in particular, a couple of years back in New York, got to spend an afternoon with him. And he's you know, he's quite he was quite shy, he was very down-to-earth, um, just a really nice bloke, and he's got absolutely everything you want in a lad that you want to succeed. And I'm just really, really excited about what else he's going to have in store for us in the coming years, because this is just the start and it's ridiculous. He's ridiculous.
5: He's unbelievably good. Lock up your Icelandic princesses. Phil Foden is in town.
4: (laughs) What a shame for Foden, though, compared to Messi. And I'm afraid... He looks more like Iniesta, so joke's on him.
6: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true.
4: <laughs> Sam, you made a really lovely
5: comparison point on your Twitter. You said trying to catch him is like grabbing a fistful of water. And I've already mentioned
4: this this week, but I, I couldn't let it slide. It's a, it's a wonderful comparison. No one could get near him. Yeah, no one can. I mean, even Fabinho, who is like almost impossible to dribble past, just get burnt by the acceleration and speed nowadays. He moves the ball so quickly from foot to foot. There's no hesitation. There's no setting himself. He seems to be able to play off-balance which is an incredible trait to have. And it's the reason he's so kind of jinky and whizzy and, and, and slips between the lines. And as I say, it is like grabbing a fistful of water because it is impossible to do that, just as it is impossible to stop or tackle Phil Foden right now. Absolutely.
5: Well, let's take it onwards to uh, something you love, Sam. And I feel I get a feeling we're going to be talking about players we just enjoy watching a little bit more.
4: <laughs> yeah, this 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 section is is. As important as ever maybe even more so at the moment because of how weird and and horrible football can feel at times with with all of these these like the racist abuse that we're seeing on footballers with var and refereeing decisions like tempting people to fall out of love with the games at points i mean i'm seeing that on my twitter people are a, a slightly a slightly funny point with football right now it's not necessarily bringing out the best of us i feel like it's all the more important to dial in on those things you absolutely love about the game so I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about Rafinha again, Uh, chairman of the Rafinha fan club reporting for (laughs) duty. Um, Look, memberships are open, 29 euros per month, payable directly to me. It's worth it. It's worth it. He's that good. That's more than a
6: signed photo of me
4: yes and rightly so dean rightly so <laughs> one of the two people we're talking about is a bona fide star um but look any excuse to talk about rafinha i can't remember falling for a player so hard that didn't play for my club to be honest with you it might even be back in the in the iniesta days the 2009 2010 and i'm not only just cheering for him now. I'm like emotionally and financially tied to the man because when he plays well, I'm happy. And when he plays well and scores and wins, I earn money on five yards, which is like a football index style thing. So I'm actually I'm actually deep into the into the Rafinha mire here. So it's very lucky that he is exceptional. And we saw that again on Monday. Best player on the pitch by a significant margin. Just Palace can't get anywhere near him. And I think the hype machine may actually have taken, taken over Rafinha in the last week or so because I saw a couple of murmurs on twitter on monday morning so tuesday morning which was uh you know rafinha's level of impact on Leeds is getting quite close to the bruno Fernandes level of impact on manchester united and while that sounds a bit crazy it's kind of true and they do share some qualities as well both creative hubs the work ethic and the resilience and the effort levels and the intensity and they were colleagues at sporting so maybe they helped mold each other i don't know but This is a serious player, and if you've not been taking me seriously and saying this up to this point, then hear me now. Hear me now. Rafinha is the truth. If you've been living under a rock and you haven't
5: noticed the the huge social media swathes of him absolutely sending Gary Cahill for a hot dog uh, <laughs> yesterday then one get out from under the rock and go and see the clip of Rafinha sending Gary Cahill for a hot dog uh, and two I've just got to give some credit to Gary Cahill because although he does pull him back and give away the free kick if someone did that to you at five side, you punch him in the face <laughs> like, you, you straight <laughs> up just like knock him out you'd be like well, I'm not having that I can't, I can't have that disrespect shown to me on a football I mean, pitch and it yeah. is Gary disrespect Gary Cahill was
6: close to doing that I think just like nah <laughs> getting back here like just throwing him on the floor it's like no mate Go
5: no <laughs> I respect his restraint, um, and and that's impressive at this point. Mm. I'm going to take us elsewhere. I'm going to take us outside the Premier League, far outside the Premier League, in, indeed, and indeed, I'm going to talk about a title race. And those of you who listen regularly will know that I am actually first and foremost a fan of Narrative FC, and Narrative FC is in full swing in the Turkish Super League, where Federbache and Galatasaray played each other in the Intercontinental Derby this weekend. It wasn't a particularly good game, but it did finish. to Galatasaray and Besiktas then went and won against Konyaspor that evening, which means that currently in the Turkish Super League, with 23 of the 40-game season played, we have the big three, Galatasaray, Fenerbahce and Besiktas, all on 48 points, dead level in the title race. And that is incredibly incredibly exciting it means that it is literally a straight shootout into the into the last games as we as we sort of go on and we've talked a lot about title races recently and we didn't give turkey perhaps the love they deserved so i've decided that this would be a good point to say If you haven't been paying attention to what's going on Turkey and and reasonably so, I know that a lot of people don't. There's a lot of football to be watching at the moment. We were discussing just before we came on air that every night there seems to be eight or nine games. You kind of look at live score and you're like, whoa, what's going on here? There's eight games this evening that I didn't even realize are going on. And it feels like you're immersed even in the big five at the moment. So I'm not blaming anyone for not being entangled with the title race in Turkey. But I would say that it is worth keeping an eye on because there is a battle going down to the 1 over there I would imagine and uh, yeah it's all very exciting and that's something I loved this weekend
6: lovely mate lovely yeah it's nice to hear about a different league as well and I mean it's one that I've been so I've every year actually in Turkey they seem to have this amazing title I think it was last year and there was like four teams that could win it right up yeah. to the end and um it's quite hard to keep track of. I mean, we don't really have... It doesn't it really
5: get broadcast in the UK, which makes probably. it difficult. You need
6: one of those massive satellite dishes or a really good dodgy stream. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't have... I can never have either of those things, sadly. Um, but yeah, Turkey is usually the place for a good title race. So um, maybe this year I'll, I'll find a way to watch it. We'll we'll work hard at making sure it's (laughs) there. That's pretty much it for uh, our things we love. Uh, After the break, we're going to be
5: ranking pretty much everything to do with the Champions League round of 16. So don't go anywhere. (laughs) Welcome back to Ranks FC. And it is time to talk about the Champions League. Sam, the floor is yours. It's really nice saying that again. I like it when I
4: just (sighs) give you the whole thing and you're like, go on, take it away. Yes, yeah, good when other people do all the work, isn't it? I uh, found that in January it was very relaxing, very nice when Dean was doing all of it. So my turn, oh, well. my February, hey, 11, whatever go, mate. And I'll do it again. <laughs> Looking <laughs> forward to it. Um, yeah, so I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going do some some Champions League rankings. We're gonna split them into three parts. We're gonna take a look at the three most informed teams right now as we head into this crucial juncture. Uh, We did before Christmas talk about the Champions League ties but obviously as we've always talked about a hell of a lot can change between the start of December and the start of February and as is tradition literally everything has changed so most informed teams to start with then we'll talk about the best chances of an upset so we'll put you on upset watch and then later we'll talk about the most exciting ties the ties that I will prioritize over everything else. And then we could just rank those three categories if you want. We can go ranking crazy. I mean, it's up to you. It it's, like, much time you've got left. it's
5: like inception. We're ranking the rankings. I don't, I don't think we're going to like quite it. get there yet, but, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see how
4: we go. eh? Yeah, maybe. Right. Oh, no. We'll start with the informed teams. And just some shout outs here to Sevilla, Bayern Munich and Lazio, who are all on six game winning streaks of some description. Uh, Lazio's is specifically in Serie A. Bayern and Sevilla is across all competitions. On paper, at the very least, they've put together a really nice streak at the right time. And you can say the same about our team in third place here, which is Barcelona. 10 wins in 11. They do have Sevilla on the day that this podcast is released in the Copa del Rey semi-final, So it could be 11 and 12, could be 10 and 12. We don't know. But either way, they do look like they've put the building blocks of something quite good together at a really crucial time, Jack.
5: Yeah, I've started to. I've been watching Barcelona over the couple last couple of weeks, and it does feel like they're moving in the right direction. I tweeted a couple of weeks back that it, it kind of felt like things were were kind of turning a corner. Now, I don't want to set too much stock by that because obviously the elections are coming up. There's so much debt and instability within the club that it does feel like any you know big movements in any direction are probably going to be felt. In a in a negative sense as well. There's also a massive injury list. Ansu Fati obviously out until mid March at the earliest. Gerard Piquet is out. Philippe Coutinho is out. Sergio Roberto is out. Araújo is out now. Pianic is out. Dest is out. Braithwaite's out. There's a lot of players on the injury table for Barcelona. But that said, that said, I think something that's been hugely impressive over the last couple of weeks is the kind of resurgence of Usman Dembele, who has. Seemingly started to come into a bit of a run of form. And when he's on form, he's basically unplayable. I mean, he's so two footed. He's so tricky. He's so clever with the ball. And when he absolutely terrorized Betis at the weekend. Now, I said it last week. Well, this was their first real big test in a while they haven't had anyone you know particularly difficult especially in the league to play for a little while and they've gone on quite a good winning streak and Betis were a team in form when we equalized (laughs) i'm very very excited and it was only right that chinkau who i've been praising all season and basically hoping that he was going to kick on in his last career came back to haunt me uh, Mm. in the Betis (laughs) game but you know, good for him. He got into a good position, He kept, switched to the right-hand side, cut in on his left and left Victor Ruiz napping. Victor Ruiz, probably if there wasn't so many melons in contention this week, Dean, I would have put him forward uh, for not only scoring an own goal, but then getting robbed for the, for the winner. Um, uh, but yeah, it Whoa. was a it was a good performance from Barcelona. Messi came off the bench, made a huge impact, as you might imagine. Turns out he's the best super sub in the world, <laughs> <But> nobody's <laughs> shock. Um, and yeah, look, they're just they're just finding they're finding a way Barcelona at the moment, and I think that's important because this is going to be a huge test for them. I still probably wouldn't have them as favourites, uh, given the situation and the state of things. Um, but they are finding a way at the moment, and I think given what happened against Granada in the Copper, sorry, Sam, um, you know, that kind of will to win away from home under the cosh late on is something we haven't seen from Barcelona very much. And perhaps that's a turning point.
6: Mm. Interesting, obviously like PSG game is the one that sprung out straight away from the draw. And so far, it seems ages ago and you, you start to look ahead and you're wondering what the season will look like by the time it comes around. But um, certainly Barcelona have found form at the right time. Like there's no doubt about that. Like this, this is coming a good time in that sense, but yeah, the injuries are a problem. And what worries me is Frankie de Jong's looks so good all season, but this there's a small chance he's going to be playing centre back at this rate. Um, you know, Cohen's done it before, and as he might have to do it again. So I just hope we don't see Frankie at centre back for that Champions League match. But we'll see, we'll see. They certainly look, they're certainly looking good.
4: All right, into number two then. It's another team that as we as we speak have won 10 and 11. Although again, they've got a big copper semi-final, copper Italia this time around midweek mm-hmm. to play and get through. It's Juventus. They've only lost to Inter during the last 10 or 11 games. In that time, they've also beaten Inter in the cup once. And we'll see what happens in, in the second leg. They've beaten Napoli. They've beaten Roma. They've beaten Milan. So for Barca, it's a, it's a, it's 10 wins in 11, but they haven't necessarily been tested too much. For Juve, you absolutely cannot throw that accusation at them, which is why I've put them second in the list ahead of Barcelona. They've beaten four of Italy's top six there in the last basically month and a half. They've got bested by an incredible Inter Milan side on a night where Inter really found their form. But other than that, Juve have snuck into form. They've they put together a nice consistent win streak. We talked about it a little bit last Friday when we previewed the Juve-Roma game on our Patreon and we, we sort of sat there and, and all kind of realised together that actually... They've they've really found their groove in a kind of understated way. And it's just because they've been building from sixth into fifth, into fourth, and now into third in the Serie A table. They're just kind of flying under the radar a little bit. What with all the talk about Barça's finances, but all, all all other stuff, you know, Real Madrid collapsing, you know, Liverpool and their situation. Juve just are not the hot topic, but they undoubtedly step into this period of the season in a really good place.
6: Mm.
5: They feel like they're grinding out results. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It just feels like they're a little bit inevitable again. And it's come to that point where, you know, you kind of look at a Juve game and we looked at the Roma game in Friday's episode. And we, thought, you know, you both said, it's it's just going to be a Juve win, isn't it? And obviously I like to buck the trend and I was wrong as usual, Um, but it was, <laughs> I, I'm just good at predicting things badly. Um, but in, in terms of, you know, what they feel like at the moment. They do just feel like you kind of go into every game being like, Juve are just probably going to win this 2-0, aren't they? Like, and that is the kind of overwhelming feeling around almost every Juve game at the moment. And I think in that, and Perlo has talked about it and talked about his kind of stylistic comparisons to Allegri, but that's the, the biggest one for me. And that Allegri's Juve just felt like they were going to win games, you know, 95% of the time. And, and I'm starting to feel that way again about this Juve side as well.
6: Yeah. Playing Porto is ideal, isn't it? I mean, you know, I'm not saying that Porto aren't capable of causing an upset, but I think it's unlikely right now. Um, Juve are fourth favourites of the bookies to go on and win the tournament. Um, but, yeah, they, they are looking in good shape. Um, they've got that consistency in terms of the team shape now. They they know what's going on up top. Ronaldo's found his form. That always helps. Um, they're in a good place, no doubt about that, going into these um, knockout tyres.
4: Yeah, and they are only trumped by one team. So number one in the ranking most informed teams. Can you guess who it is? Yeah, I would imagine it might be uh, the lads at the top of the Premier League table, eh? It is indeed, Man City. 21 unbeaten, 14 wins in a row. Ridiculous. Uh, I'm not mistaken, but memory serves right. 14 wins is what they had to grind out at the end of the season before last to stave off that Liverpool title charge, isn't it? Exactly Correct. 14 yeah. wins in a row. So, they've got form for it, guys. They uh, they know how to put together a streak. And since they made that executive decision a couple of months ago not to concede any goals, they've been flying. Absolutely flying. <laughs> they've they've com- <laughs> combined the goal scoring with the with the with the lack of goals conceded it's the secret of football score more than your opponent consistently and you will win games they are stubborn but they are brilliant they are solid but they are creative and they're missing their two best players and it doesn't even matter like it just doesn't matter Aguero and De Bruyne are not even looking missed right now having just gone to Anfield and, and and recorded a very rare victory Sterling getting over the Anfield hump all these things it just again, it it comes down to timing and who who comes into form at the right time and who's in a good space entering this stretch. City, undoubtedly, for me, the best team in the world right now and the most together of the European elite. Yeah,
5: I think that's it. I mean, the question comes whether it comes down to, you know, City's form in this competition, but I I have a funny feeling that, that this could be a year. For manchester City, yeah I, I just think that everyone else is is a little bit vulnerable even you know the best sides in europe the best sides in the world we talked about bayern as feeling invincible last season and it doesn't feel that way this year you know yes they have recovered from that weird little blip they had just before the turn of the year and um, but they don't feel quite as as invulnerable as they did you know last year where it was just like a question of when Bayern won it rather than if i think and when it comes down to City, obviously there is more to prove in terms of they don't have the European pedigree that Bayern do and they don't have the, the kind of history to fall back on. Everything is breaking new ground in, in that regard. But I do think that you're absolutely right. I think they're currently the best team in the world. I think they are currently the most informed team of all of Europe's elite. And with that all said, it, it's very difficult to look past them, especially against the Gladbach side who are brilliant, but chaotic in equal measure
1: yeah
6: a little bit harsh on Bayern not making the top three here they've only lost one game since um end of September <laughs> <laughs> that's not bad form no Maybe they've lost they've Bayern uh... form rather than on everybody else form
4: no we'll get we'll get to Bayern a little bit later but they've uh <laughs> they've lost two in the last month and a half they lost to Holston Keel on penalties mate, as well
6: <laughs> okay sorry yeah I, I guess that's true but um yeah, uh, look, Man City have just reverted back to the Man City they used to be, haven't they? And that's where that's where their good forms come from because Pep's gone back to what they do best, and he's stopped overcomplicating things. And all the things that we used to love about Man City are back. And it helps that João Cancelo has become the best player in the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it's very rare that you hold a fullback in the in the esteem that we do for João Cancelo, right? But. Uh... I think genuinely, like I said with Rafinha, like I haven't, I don't fall for players this hard that don't play for my club usually. This is rare. I get the same feeling about Joao Cancelo in terms of the sheer amount of impact he can have in different areas of the pitch that I do. I don't know, like since maybe Dani Alves. I mean, as in, can you think of a of a fullback that impacted a team this heavily other than that? And it's what just, just crazy.
6: Could he win the Ballon d'Or if, if he if they clean the floor if they win everything that they can win this season? No. Um, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm voting,
5: give me a vote. Yeah, I mean, he won't be winning the Ballon d'Or, I don't think. I mean, I like the idea, Dean. I like it a lot, but I just don't think.
2: Also, we've already decided we're
5: giving it to Lewandowski or posterity's sake, right? We're giving it to Lewandowski because he deserves it from last year, and it's important that he gets given the
6: trophy that he deserves. That's fair enough. So, yeah.
4: Yeah, Yeah, let's go to best chances of an upset. Ranked 3-1 to again. So... Again, I think a lot of these feel like they're very different from when the draw was done in December, and particularly number three, and we just sort of touched on it a little bit here, but we get to delve into it a bit more. At three, I've put Lazio against Bayern Munich. I've put Bayern Munich on upset alert, boys. Wow. Yeah. Is this because of that cup game that you were just talking about? Oh, it's specifically because of that and nothing else, yeah. (laughs) Look, I didn't think we'd be here. Um, In fact, I I gave this probably like a 95% chance of a win for Bayern at the time of the draw. And there is an obvious point to make, Dean, as you point out, that they are the reigning European champions and they've won six in a row. On paper, they are not in danger. But not everything is quite right here. And there is something to be said for the way Bayern are grinding out wins. But there's also something to point out here which is they are feeling a little bit ropey of late. So just in the last month and a half or so, they go two up against Gladbach and lose 3-2. Follow that up with a penalty loss in the cup to a lower division side. They really had to hang on against Freiburg. They're clearing off the line in the last minute. Freiburg hitting the bar in the 90 Mm. plus minutes. And they really squeezed Her to Berlin as well. I mean, squeezed like it wasn't comfortable at all. This high press, high line system that Hansi Flick is operating is, was their absolute godsend in 2020. It saw them dominate the entire calendar year. But just in the last couple of months, it hasn't been functioning quite as well, partially down to midfield injuries, partially down to centre-backs loss of form. I think the two are probably linked, but there's a there's an element of exposure here that they're not dealing with as well as they used to. And again, you come up against like, you, you just think of that Lazio performance against Roma. I know Roma were, were tragic that night in in in... In the Rome Derby, in the capital, in the in the capital Derby, but Chirui Mobile and Lazzari running into those channels on the counter attack. The speed of them and the directness of them, I think, is going to be difficult for Bayern. I think it's going to be quite uncomfortable for Bayern if Lazzari ends up in a foot race with Fonzi. I am. Intrigued to see you wins because Lazari is like a gust of wind, and we Fons, know what Fonzi is quicker than Lazari, mate. Let's well, not that's what. say the mic I mean, maybe we'll have to see, but because Lazari is crazy fast, yeah, and it's correct. not, it's it's not easy. It's not easy to, to to contain Lazio, and I gave them a shout out in the in the hot streak part because they are on a six game win streak of their own in Serie A. They've really found form at the right time too. Now. I'm not saying that I think this is absolutely going to happen. I, I I still wouldn't put my money on this. And I can't say the same about the two above in this ranking. I'd still shade Bayern. But the fact that I'm even talking about this and using the word shade, it's, it's great respect to Lazio. And it points out a potential tactical clash here that I don't think Bayern are going to be very comfortable at all with this game.
5: Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you say it they are the form team in Serie A, although they do play Inter at the weekend. Um, but it's been—it's not just been, you know, small wins. In in this time, they've beaten a Sassuolo side who we were praising earlier in the year. They've beaten Roma, who were awful that night. You're right, but in in a derby, and that is always going to be tricky. Although Tazio you know, made it made it look easy, and they've beaten Atalanta, you know, three-one, who were on a little bit of a resurgence of their own. So this hasn't been easy games. Obviously, Immobile has got nineteen and twenty-four. in in all comps this season. And we're starting to see more from Luis Alberto, from Milinkovic Savic, who's been brilliant, to be fair, all year. But Luis Alberto is finally starting to, to influence games again. And Joaquin Correa, who was kind of usurped by Caicedo as as a mobile strike partner at some point. Ha, seems to have started to find his feet as well. You know, he started the last couple of games, I admit, you know, cause Caicedo has been out in and out of the team, obviously with injuries and, and, and the like, but, with all that said, it just feels like Lazio are starting to find their rhythm again after a reasonably tricky start to the year that we talked about before that that Rome derby. And it does feel like they're on the up in a huge way. Now, Bayern are hardly on a down. They're reasonably clear. And as we said on, on Monday, I'll have the Bundesliga in the back, but they don't feel as compact. They don't feel as tight as they did last year. And I do think Lazio will cause some problems. I do think Prime will win this game but I don't think it's going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination
4: yeah we're on the same page there Jack so I'm sure Dean thinks differently but he'll he'll do so silently <laughs> and, and rub <laughs> it in our face later on but I'll move on to number two uh which is Atalanta against Real Madrid a game that I had Real Madrid at sort of 65-35 at the time of the draw and now I think I could probably be persuaded to think that Atalanta are genuinely going to win this game and it's not a case of an underdog on a hot streak. It's not the same as Lazio putting together a really nice patch of form and, and looking like a good matchup for a for, for a, basically a, a stronger competitor. It's a case of Real Madrid lurching from mini crisis to mini crisis, Sedan losing his temper and revealing all of the cracks. And of course, the fact that you should always, always be wary of Atalanta. Your, your motto, Jack, always watch Atalanta. Mine is always be wary of them because at any different point, they could just explode into a game and rip you apart. They don't have to be in good form to do it. And if they're in good form, that's not necessarily a guarantee. They will do it. Their inconsistency is something we absolutely adore about them. But we do know that if a team doesn't quite get it right and Atalanta are on a good day, you're going down. That Milan performance from the the last couple of weeks is still fresh in my memory. It's an example of just how much damage and how dominant that they can be when the other team aren't quite at the races. And what do we always say about Real Madrid? Well, without Sergio Ramos, who is injured, who's having surgery, they're often not quite at the races. This uh, Ramos dependence is a problem and it's an even more of a problem when he's not there. And he's not going to be there for at least one of these games, maybe even two. So if I had to put my money on this one, unlike in the other one, I'd actually go for an Atalanta win here. I'm feeling this one.
6: I totally agree. I think this is a, a lovely time for Atalanta to be going into the tie. Um you know, Madrid, they feel like everybody's disrespecting them right now. I think it's not really disrespect. I think it's just genuine doubts about what they're capable of. Um, and if Sergio Ramos isn't there, then who's stepping in for him? I think that that's the question that everybody's asking. I mean, OK, they, they've got Varane who's trying to step up as, you know, the new leader when, when Ramos isn't there. But who's alongside him? Who's the other guy that's, that's dragging you through?
4: Um I've just seen Nach- reports that Varane doesn't want to extend his contract and they're looking at it selling him. I mean, what great timing <laughs> is
6: that? But Nat- that they could turn to Nacho? Or, I mean, that's... I don't know. I don't know what they'll what they'll do. But I'm really concerned about so many areas of, of Madrid's management at the moment and the way they're just struggling to get the best out of the players that they need and Eden Hazard just having a, just another season to forget. You know, that move has just turned out to be... All, we're almost at the stage of calling it a disaster, to be honest, because he's just he's just not able to either get out the pitch or produce a good run of form when he is on it. Um, I 100% agree with you here. I'm I might have even put this in at number one because I really do think that Atalanta have a great chance of winning. Yeah,
5: uh, can't 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 disagree with it. I think would be my my statement. They just score loads of goals. I was just having a quick look through their last ten fixtures. They've scored twenty six in the last ten, run, and that's in the league, averaging two point six games a a goals a game. And it goes up if you include the Coppa Italia ties in that. (laughs) You know, it's they're just an incredibly fun side to watch. And Real Madrid feel. Like that back line. I keep saying the word vulnerable today, but it, it, it does feel vulnerable. It feels like they can be got at. And you know, it's a continually changing back line. You mentioned Nacho there, Dean. He obviously came in at, at the weekend and, and and featured, and it's not something we've seen huge amounts of over the last couple of years. We're we're seeing a, a defense that is being chopped and changed, partly due to to injury concerns, of course, but also due to just the the, the inconsistencies that we're seeing with this side—they've got more games coming up. They play Hatafe tonight, so by the time this podcast goes out, we, we we might have seen them, you know, collapse again. They might equally have have done something to stymie that. They might have have managed to keep a clean sheet and uh, and started to to deal with these problems. But right now, I don't trust this Real Madrid defense, and against the side with the attacking calibre of Atalanta it's hard to look past them. I do think this will be entertaining, though. I think there will be goals at either end. Atalanta are woefully inconsistent themselves. <laughs> and and the fact that, 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 that has, you know, Karim Benzema is still there, that there is still incredible amounts of talent in this Madrid side, no matter who's absent, no matter who's injured. You know, there, there are going to be players in there that, that can be match winners, that can be match definers. And with all that said, I just think it's been an incredibly entertaining game. But I do think Atalanta will come through this tie, yeah.
4: I mean, in Real Madrid's corner there and their defence, defences, all three of us completely write them off in one fell swoop. <laughs> this is they, what they're annoyed they, about, the disrespect. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do have the, the ultimate Champions we're just League prodding pedigree. The,
5: we're just prodding the bear trying to wake them up. <laughs> yeah,
4: they've got the ultimate pedigree here. They could fall back on some tried and trusted vets here. And if they do actually put things into place in midfield, as we know, they can. When the casemiro modric Kroos trio really clicks into gear there is very, very little you can do to stop those three players when they're feeling it, particularly Modric on the big occasions this season sometimes has just been amazing. So they do, they always have that to draw upon from within and maybe we'll look forward to for doubting them in the end and Atalanta won't turn up, but I do feel like this is one of those nights for Atalanta. They are a fearless, fearless bunch. They won't, they won't care one jot what Real Madrid's pedigree uh, is in this tournament. But uh Anyway, onto number one, and it's it sounds strange to call it number one, but also wonder whether or not it would even be an upset at this stage, but I've put Leipzig versus Liverpool, because look, Liverpool's form is poor, no doubt about it, and Leipzig got further in the Champions League last season than them, they got two rounds further on, and they're higher than Liverpool in their respective divisions, so what part of this is an upset? Well, I guess we're just working on the raw reputation of these clubs and how established they are, and... You have to look at it a little bit further back than the last five months. Liverpool, for the last two, three years, have been a machine, a behemoth. They've won the Champions League. They've won the Premier League. They are the defending Premier League champions. And Leipzig haven't won anything, as far as I can remember. Absolutely nothing. So that's what we're looking at here. But I'm sat here talking about the fact that a team with Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, Roberto Firmino, Thiago Alcantara, arguably the best fullback pairing in Europe, and Alisson in goal is in quite a serious danger, which sounds really weird, but they are, because the form is poor. Whatever hap- Whatever's wrong with that midfield, it's not clicking. The centre-back injuries have totally caught up with them. You know that they've bought two more in January, and I mean, Kabak and Davies, but how ready will they be for this kind of test? How ready will they be to slot into Klopp's system anyway? Because you know he likes to take his time with these kind of players. Andrew Robertson took like half a year to crack this team and Fabinho took like four months. So these are elite players. They're like arguably the best in their position, like across the entire world. It takes a little bit of time. And this is all going up against a Nagelsmann-led team, which is thrilling. It's goal scoring. It's shape-shifting. It's metamorphing. It's, it's It's so hard to predict, so hard to track, so exciting to watch. I mean, it's it's heavily shifting on form into Leipzig's favour here because of how difficult Liverpool are finding it right now. And maybe this is the big occasion that brings the beast back out of Liverpool. But this feels like it could well go Leipzig's way. It is an upset because
5: Leipzig are 11th favourites to win this tournament and Liverpool, despite their struggles, remain third favourite right behind Man City and Bayern Munich. Which you know you can argue about all day long, but that's that's the facts that currently the bookies still see Liverpool as the third favorite to win this tournament. So if they got knocked out in the in the round of sixteen by the eleventh favorite, that would fundamentally be an upset. <laughs> okay. um so so yes, so yes, it is, but yeah, you're right. um it, i I really wanted to argue with you as usual. um and but I, I just I still think there is something to be woken up out of Liverpool, and I also do think that they will rise to this game but at the moment Nagelsmann is is doing nice things and we spoke about Leipzig because we said that despite the fact that they haven't been brilliant you know especially in the last couple of months I think you look at that loss to Dortmund that they suffered at the turn of the year and you you thought okay this is a team that that you know uh, can be well beaten when people get them right. But since then, they have turned it round. They've beaten Leverkusen. They have got to second in, in this division. And look, I don't think they're going to be mounting a title charge against Bayern Munich, faltering as they may well be a little bit. But I do think that you're starting to see a team that are a bit more consistent in Leipzig outdoing the rest of the, the Bundesliga challengers because they are just able to, to get those wins on the board, especially even when they don't play particularly well. And I think that's going to be a problem for Liverpool Given the the circumstances they're currently in, give, given the injury situation, and I don't think you hold it against Liverpool. I don't think you can look at this and be like, "Oh, that's a that's a terrible loss." I don't think it would be a I don't think it would be that brutal a loss in terms of you, you know, you go out of the Champions League to Leipzig. You're not like, "Ah, oh, we've been absolutely done here." But <laughs> at the know. same time, I think that you I think that Leipzig are underdogs, and I do think they are
6: well capable of winning this game. I'll tell you why I don't agree. It's because there is a smugness and an arrogance among English, well, probably general fans, but pundits particularly when it comes to teams like Leipzig, they don't give them any respect whatsoever. I actually watched back to, as a part of the research for this, I just wanted to look back at the draw and i had actually recorded the draw from when it happened live. And so I was like, oh, I'm, I'm sat here changing a nappy. I'll just stick this on in the background. So uh, <laughs> I put the, the drawer on. Anyway, and they started talking about the drawer afterwards. And it was Steve McManaman, right? And he was smug. He was arrogant and actually was quite ignorant. And he wrote off Leipzig. He said that when it comes to February... All the good teams find their stride," he said. And you know, I do mean the good the good teams. You see the others. No disrespect to the others, but the good teams that's when they really kick on, and you'll see that. Well, I'll tell you what we're seeing, Steve McManaman. We're seeing Liverpool absolutely fall apart at that part start of the part of the stage that you were talking about. I actually might even record that and put it out on Twitter. So let's see if he see if he responds because it did really annoy me. Um, he Liverpool... is like
4: that though. He does dismiss a lot of teams even even way way back when Liverpool get drawn. Remember they played in the Europa League the year they lost the final. They got Villarreal in like the semis or the courses or whatever yeah. it was. Villarreal were like a genuinely decent side at the time, right really quite a good team. And Liverpool did in the end they did end up beating them like 3-0 on aggregate or something like that. But the way McManaman spoke about Villarreal in the build-up to that game, and you can tell this is stuck with me because this was like four years ago, <laughs> right? And this was like a Europa League quarter-final. The way he does, to, he he and others do talk about these teams that are just not from England. He's kind of savage at times, and they do deserve to be proved wrong at points. Although to be fair, he might this 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 might be what he's referring to. Might be coming against Leipzig. Maybe Liverpool wake up on the occasion. We've said, it about,
5: we've said it about Real Madrid in the past, right? That they can be faltering all sorts in their league campaigns and suddenly they just be able to turn it on in the Champions League. And I think that third one in a row when they won under Zidane and they just weren't great that year, were they? Like, Let's be frank about it. Up mm. to that point, everyone was like, well, how have Real Madrid got to the final again? And they'd been so bad in La Liga. And then suddenly you were like, they just got to the Champions League and just pressed the button, it felt like, and, yeah. and off they went. And so there is there is some elements to this that have truth in them, but I just don't think it's fair to write off a Leipzig side who, by and large, were Champions League semi-finalists last year who have been, you know, among the best teams in Germany for a while. And, you know, it was a German side that won it last year. To write off other leagues as, as incomparable, it just seems aggressively unfair.
6: Yeah, I mean, look, Liverpool might have even suffered another loss by the time they get to this stage because they've got Leicester at the weekend, and like that's a really tough game. Um So it, it's a tricky one. Going back to that discussion that they were having, by the way, this is the ignorance that I was talking about. They were even talking about how Chelsea should see off Atletico Madrid. Yeah, I would expect Chelsea to go through on that one. Why? Yeah. Why? Well,
4: the like, things have things have changed a little bit. There, they have but, changed
6: uh, a little bit, but I do think like people outside of the UK obviously wouldn't see all of this as much as we do, but. I personally feel that a lot of um, this reactionary chat that happened is because they don't have the detailed knowledge of these sides to delve into. So they kind of make these um, just remarks that will be accepted by 90% of the viewership and that's, that's fine. And quite often you will get away with it, but sometimes when you go back and you see them in hindsight, You're like, oh, I'm really tempted to pull you up on this, but probably can't be bothered. Well,
4: don't go back to the old podcast and pull me up on all my crap, please. Yeah, please (laughs) don't (laughs) even
6: do this to me either, by the way, because I've definitely been wrong about a million things. (laughs) Not least Nicolas Pepe. Yeah, not least Nicolas Pepe. (laughs) Um, Nice. That's a nice segue. And we'll move things on, Sam.
4: Yeah, sure. So let's move to the most exciting ties, the ones I want to prioritise above all else. And uh, funnily enough, Dino, we'll kick off at number three, Atletico Madrid versus Chelsea. The reason I think this is so exciting is because I have absolutely no idea what, what, like, what's going to happen. Like, not a clue, not a clue. In pretty much all the other games, I've got a reasonable idea of, like, where the game will be played, where the territory will be shared, how, like, who will do most pressing, who will, who will hurt so, uh, people in certain areas, which areas will be targeted, you know, where the key battles are. Atletico in their new current guys versus Chelsea, with you know, two will, will be three weeks or so under Thomas Tuchel's charge. Not a clue. Absolutely not a clue. But what did, did occur to me during this uh, this research period for this, it did occur to me that this feels reasonably even now. And this is why you change managers, isn't it? Because under Lampard, this one felt done and dusted. We were, I know we were like a month out, but no one was seriously looking at that Atletico Madrid tie looming back when Lampard was in charge and thinking, yeah, they've got a chance here. I think we all agreed that they were going to get battered. Whereas was under Tuchel now with the the elements of composure and control that this team are showing and the players that are starting to sneak back into form. It gives them a fighting chance in this game that I thought they were sort of doomed in. So that's definitely one strand that I'm excited by. The other bit is we're still so early into Tuchel's reign. I don't really know how this is going to work. And with Atletico Madrid, you know, we've praised them this year for being super expansive and more attacking and more efficient. Well, the big stages of the Champions League are different. And as we've seen over the years with, some, with a team like Uruguay at the World Cup, they can play expansive attacking football in the qualifiers. And then when they get to the tournament, when it all matters, guess what they do? 4-4-2 yeah. four, four, shell. Let's defend yeah. for our lives and punt it to Cavani. And it works for them, no problem. But it takes a special kind of boldness to play up to that on the bigger occasion against the bigger sides. And I wonder if Atletico Madrid are just going to withdraw back into their shell. I really hope they don't. But that's another part of it that intrigues me. I don't know which Atletico Madrid we're going to see. And God knows what Chelsea is. So between it, interesting.
5: Yeah, there's also this kind of little injury problem that Atletico have. And by injury, I mean coronavirus. Um, In in that Mario Amoso is out at the moment. Gio Felix is out at the moment. And Moussa Dembele is out at the moment. There's also the kind of added uncertainty that this looks like it's going to be played in a neutral venue right in both legs because uh, of the way that the Spanish and UK governments are doing business at the moment and um, which basically just puts loads and loads and loads of wild cards on the table like are we going to see Joao Felix he should effectively be back on Valentine's Day so we might see him in terms of you know he'll be back at the weekend and be allowed back into training but it, after two days are they going to just chuck him into a Champions League game i don't know i don't think so same with Dembele, who we haven't really seen any of. You know, is he going to be able to play a part? I don't know. Same with Hermoso, who's been, you know, quite big at the back for them. So there's a lot of unknown quantities here. And, you know, least of all, like you say, Tuchel, and the fact that we don't quite know how this Chelsea is going to line up, how it's going to play in in the long term. Yeah, I think we've got an idea of what he's going to do short term. And I can't see him moving away from this, this strategy he's got going on until at least he has some time to kind of bed in with the squad and work out what he wants. But there are so many like, players that you're like, are they going to play? Are they not going to play? That that makes things incredibly hard to determine. I also think it makes for an incredibly interesting tie. Yep.
6: I think that's how I'd have it. I don't know if I'd call this an exciting tie to I think I'd call it an intriguing or interesting tie because two calls Chelsea so far, I haven't found them exciting. And the chances are Atleti aren't going to play exciting. They might, they might surprise me. They've done it before. But typically, you wouldn't expect them to be exciting. But it is a really interesting game. Yeah.
4: All right, Do you want to Deans. move it on, Sam? Sorry,
6: sorry about that, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, mate. Let's see if the next one's any better. Okay, number two, Barca PSG. Dean that's much Verdicts? better. Yeah, okay. yeah that's wonderful. good. That's good. It's wonderful. Very exciting.
4: So, yeah, similar to Atletico Chelsea, I remain none the wiser as to what is actually going to happen here. Um, Barca on the good run, as we discussed, but with injuries. PSG dropping the odd point, but for the most part, fine. Although I don't think that... I don't think that measuring PSG in in domestic football was really that relevant, as we've learned over the years. They do tend to raise their game for the big Champions League nights, and they they kind of play within themselves a little bit in the middle part of the season in Liga. So, this is another massive question mark. We don't really know what form PSG are going to enter into here, and they've just got a new manager. He's been in place about a month. Lots, lots to be learned there still. Do become a different beast on this stage, but it's Pochettino. It's it's important Champions League nights. It's it's Neymar versus Messi. It's World Cup winners Mbappe and Griezmann on opposing sides. It's the fact that Pochettino used to manage Espanyol and now he's against his fierce Catalan rivals. Oh, I'm only joking with that last one, but Hey, lots, he has the bull tattooed on him. Lots of little stories and, and, and nuggets to go into this one that make it quite special. And I don't tend to fall for these games that seem to be played all of the time. Like I've got a lot of Barca versus PSG memories rattling around in my brain. And I don't like repeat fixtures like that. But this this specific duel, I think I always, always have time for. And with the two question marks of of the two sides heading into it, one has a new manager, one has a good run of form that we're not 100% convinced by, backed up by an injury list. Again, it's a case of what happens. Not too sure. I think this fixture or these two fixtures They're going to tell us far more about PSG under Poch than any of the games that they've played in the last month and a half will. And that's what makes it so exciting to me to really see that take shape and to see PSG formulate under him.
6: Mm. I definitely fancy PSG, definitely. Um, But this for me was, you know, as I said before, the tie of the round just stood out straight away because it's just two like massive clubs that typically you expect them to play exciting football. You expect them to try and win the trophy. There's so much at stake for both. You know, Koeman needs to prove that he's up to the task of of still staying in this job beyond the presidency, you know, wherever that comes around now. Um, And Pochettino needs to show that, yeah, he can go and be the man that leads PSG to this trophy for the first time. You know, Neymar's about to sign this new contract. He believes that he can win this trophy at PSG. Well, well, let's see. Um, Yeah, I mean, I probably would have put this in at number one just because I think it's going to be like, It's going to be brilliant. I'm really looking forward to it.
5: Yeah, it it feels like a a big moment. It feels like a big tie. And you'd say it's probably the headline act of the round of 16 draws. Um, So, yeah, I I think it's good. I'm I'm excited to see what you've put ahead of it.
4: Yeah. And here's the real travesty is that Tuesday, February the 16th, 8 p.m. here in England, Barca will play PSG. And at the same time, Leipzig will play Liverpool. Yeah. And it's just not okay. Yeah. Whoever's done that, have a word. Yeah, I just don't, yeah. I don't accept this. But Leipzig-Liverpool is my personal favourite in terms of excitement. And we've, we've already talked about it, so we don't really have to go back over the old ground. But it's two incredible teams. It's two incredible managers. There's a real mystique to the matchup. I'm desperate to know how each manager will approach it. And then I'm desperate to know how each manager will adjust for the second leg and where those adjustments are made. With Nagelsmann in particular, you know he's want to change his formation and throw everything out of the window and try something completely new if he thinks it works. I mean, this applies to a lot of the ties that we've talked about, but this one in particular, 180 minutes, top class players playing at full speed, dueling, trying to get the better of one another, don't know what to expect. And I guess it's just that style of football—it's that, it's that German, you know, counter-pressing pressing style and that directness to the to the two teams' play that I like the most. I think stylistically, so I'm drawn to this one more than the others. But to be fair, like, look, I'm going to watch Leipzig Liverpool live, and I'm going to record Barça PSG, and I'm probably going to watch it back straight away, like Ooh. immediately after that game, and go back to back. That's absolutely what I'm going to do because these are games you can't miss. Screams yeah. a dual screener for me, if I'm honest. No, you can't focus on both of them. Then mm-hmm. you have you have not got this
5: ability, but I have. <laughs> Once mm. we've had a we've spoken about this in the past, Sam. When you, when you when you come from a background that means you have to write two simultaneous match commentaries on two games at the same time, you learn quite quickly how to pay attention to two games <laughs> I- next to each other. And and uh, thankfully, i I'm, I'm now blessed with
6: that skill. I hope that Leipzig just turn up this time and. Because I remember before they played Man United, saying to one of my United friends, "Oh, you won't have that easy. Like they're good." And like afterwards, they're like, "We just beat them five nil. They're rubbish." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then they, even they didn't say the... that
5: before the second. They didn't say that after the second leg, did they? Well, they
6: almost had the last laugh because you United like, nearly even clawed that back, didn't they? at the end. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's going to be interesting to see what we see from Leipzig because I'm sure Nagelsmann would have been. Annoyed and embarrassed, to be honest, by that United scoreline because he's got his own reputation to protect and what you know he's going to go for big jobs himself soon. And he needs to show that he can do it on these nights. Look, Liverpool's one of the jobs that Nagelsmann's being linked with, like for the future, so he'll want to impress there as well. And obviously, him and Klopp, that there'll a lot will be spoken about there. So, yeah, this, this is an exciting one. Um, still think I'd have put PSG Barca ahead of it, but I trust Sam. I, I trust Sam. He says this is going to be more exciting. Well,
5: well, that's um, that's three rankings of three, Sam. You've done a triple triple. So uh, well done, uh, congratulations. <laughs> I will say though that you have not mentioned perhaps my favourite tie of the round, which is Sevilla versus Dortmund. Uh, which I actually that's your favourite tie. Yeah, I think it's an absolute crackerjack. That is that is the kind of. Very well balanced, very well matched. One side slightly more informed, but the other one with with you know an incredible amount of proteges. You know, there's Papu Gomez plays for Sevilla now, like this Lucas of Campos against Jaden Sancho and Erling Holland and, and yeah, the Siri. I'm I think this is an incredible tie. I really do. I think it's probably the in fact, I would argue, maybe the most well balanced tie of the round. Uh, and and that usually comes for a good game.
4: Maybe, but I didn't rank most well balanced ties of the round of sixteen. Yeah, that is, <laughs> did I? that is true.
5: Yeah, <laughs> you do have that on me. I will, I'll give you. I'll give you a pass there. But <laughs> yeah, no, it was. I, I am excited for that tie. So I, I just thought I'd give it a mention because it was the only one of these ties that we haven't talked about at all.
4: Yeah, across your rankings. Yeah, by not mentioning it, I'm not saying it's the worst of the eight. If I had to say that there's one that I would avoid, I would say it's Porto versus Juventus is my, is the one least worthy of my time. Uh, so it's not an indictment on Severe Dortmund that just didn't quite fit into the three categories. Although, as you say, it's uh, it, it's it, it promises to be a good one. Severe obviously an honourable mention for the teams in form, six wins in a row. They've got Barca in the Copper semi-finals this week. Dortmund feel a little bit broken, but. When you've got Erling Haaland on your side, anything is possible. Yeah, anything is possible indeed. Right, that's pretty much up for your Champions
5: League rankings. Thank you, Sam. We're looking forward to it. We're glad that we've got it in early and... We can now we can now think about it for the for the foreseeable future for we'll basically the Euros seven next days. Week, yeah, exactly. The I was <laughs> thinking World Cup. Yeah, the Qatar World Cup. Maybe <laughs> maybe the twenty twenty six World Cup we could go for next. To really, really get the ball rolling early. Right after the break, we got Melody of the Week and the Gibberish Rankings. Stay with us.
4: Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William
0: Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you're playing with. Gamble responsibly.
5: Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's
6: time for my favourite part of the show. Dean Jones, the floor is yours. Okay, it's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is a ranking... A ranking. Oh, no. Oh, Too many. No. Too many. I, had to, I had a few messages about this in the week as well. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, there's only one thing to do in a week like this. and I've got to rank him. Um, at number four, it's a man that actually just, just, he was very lucky. He missed the deadline uh, last week. We just recorded when Bernd Leno um, suffered one of the many Arsenal brain farts this season. <laughs> um, he follows on from Bellerin, Shaka, Arteta and many others. Um, a red card for racing out of his box. I'm not sure if he was attempting to kick it or head it or what he would chest it, but he kind of hit it with his fist, and that was that um yeah, okay. what was that about? was he Did he misjudge I, the bounce? Does he I think, I think he was going to be on head that? He must have done surely. I, I, looked, I can't understand why he did there was no, no I couldn't see anything obvious as to why. I don't know. I think he just regretted it and <laughs> I don't know, it's very embarrassing. But anyway, he got away with it, but he had to get a mention. At number three, it's Mike Dean. Oh, he's now, low. This should probably be higher, but I'm cutting him some flack because he's had death threats this week, and that's yeah. not okay. Um calling him a melon is all right, but I don't wanna I don't wanna ramp this up anymore. Let's just say, look, a VAR review on Bednarak against Man United, and then Sushek. Against Fulham. Sent off both players after his VAR reviews. Both decisions were overturned. Back-to-back games. Now VAR is showing up a lot of refs right now, but no more than Mike Dean, who still can't make such obvious decisions. I mean, I reckon 85% of people watching would have made the opposite decision to which he did both times. Martial since been judged to have dived and Suchek since judged to have just been trying to get around Mitrovic and just trying to move his body this, um, and to be honest probably would have scored from that free kick so as a Fulham fan
4: I was quite pleased he was sent off because that was probably swinging onto his head probably <laughs> the Suchek decision was was incredibly fast did you notice that so this happened yeah. like the sort of sort of latest Saturday and then by like, Monday at 1pm he was absolved and ready to play again it's like I know they obviously have the meeting, but that would have been like point one on the agenda Monday morning, nine AM. Should Sue check have been set off? Everyone, no. Okay, he's absolved. It was so easy.
6: Like, why aren't those people doing the VAR reviews? If it's that obvious and that easy, why aren't they involved in these decisions? Like, don't get it. Anyway Shouts
5: out Alexander Mitrovic, by the way, star witness for yeah, Thomas Susek to get him
4: to get it overturned. Well, maybe he shouldn't have right, dropped to the floor writhing and holding okay, his face. i right. tell you, what, I'll tell you what, Sam,
5: I'll elbow you in the face, even if it is accidentally, and you let me know if it hurts or not, right? All right.
6: <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. If you ever see each other again at this rate, right, yeah, you're not. Absolutely. Go uh, on, at dude. number two, Jan Bednarek. Now, <laughs> even though I <I've> just... <laughs> Look, yes, he scored an own goal and got a red card against Man United. And, and gave away like... a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> in, a, yeah, in a nine nil defeat. Then, yes, the red card was rescinded. So that he could play in the next game against Newcastle, <laughs> and then he scored an own goal.
4: Hang on, hang on, it was given to Almiron.
6: I know, nah. but that's not okay because it was not Almiron's goal. That is an own goal <laughs> every day of the week. That the is dubious own goals goal.
5: decision. Have just gone, he's having a bad enough week.
6: <laughs> yeah, it's like they're, all they're doing is looking out for his mental health. I reckon because that n- I've never seen goals like that given to the attacker. Like that's an own goal. It was ben on ex- target, that's the rule. Just, he's a that melon. Was, that was going to hit the post, I reckon. Um, anyway it was very Melonish he's been let off the hook because there's one club in Europe in the last week that's had an absolute disaster and the Melons of the week are Ajax now (laughs) (laughs) someone forgot to register Sebastian Allaire their record signing for the Europa League squad I still cannot get my head around this it's absolutely bonkers the worst mistake possibly that anyone has ever made at work (laughs) anyway (laughs) Allaire, very fair play to the guy. He's come out and said, look, anyone can make a mistake. I pay for that price today. Um, this is life. We can't help it. We've just got to move forward. I've accepted it. I remain positive. Um, I just hope the team doesn't need me to make the final. I'm not a spiteful person, um, but I do feel a bit bad for whoever made the mistake. <laughs> I do too, but it really is melanish behaviour. And as if that wasn't bad enough for Ajax... They then get their goalkeeper banned for a year for taking a banned substance. And the reason he took a banned substance is because he took his girlfriend's medicine, which he thought was aspirin. He said it looks identical. The packaging looked identical. Now, when you're about four or five years old, your mum and dad talked to you about packaging on medicine. And they tell you not to take anything. unless You're absolutely sure. And all these sorts of things. I'm sorry, but this is bizarre that Onana's. Andre Onana has taken his girlfriend's medicine because he thought it was aspirin and I I just want to see the packaging to be honest, I just want to see like how identical this was because I'm not doubting that he's made a mistake at all but I just want to see this packaging because that is absolutely melonish behaviour. Yeah,
5: I think a well-deserved melon for Ajax there.
4: It's, um, it's That's hard a to bad disagree, week, isn't, isn't it? It, it is. The game Alec. was postponed, wasn't it?
6: The if game I was, was... Postponed at the
4: weekend just as well. Was it? If I was our I'd be actively racing against Ajax in the Europa League because he's, reg- <laughs> he's not registered and he didn't play for them in the first half of the season. He's not eligible for a medal if they win. <laughs> So that would be really crushing if they went all the way through and won it because he'd be like, just sat there like, well, this And also a bit like, why did you buy me if you didn't
5: need me to win the Europa League? That would, um, yeah, that would be pretty disheartening. I agree, right.
4: It's time for the gibberish ranking, Sam. It is, yeah. And uh, I'm going to rank the best times of the day during a global pandemic because there are three clear winners right okay the third best time of the day during a global pandemic is my government sanctioned walk time um in england if you're not a key worker uh if you can work from home which i obviously can because i do sweet all and uh if you don't have any children you're basically only allowed out of the house once a day more or less it's informal but it's formal this is one of the only perks to having children by the way yeah, I'm sure, and that and, and that time you're allowed out of the house is for some sweet, sweet exercise. And I never thought I would appreciate walking quite as much as I do because I actually hate walking. Mm. Um, but you then learn you learn obviously walks aren't just for exercise, not just for 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 mental well being. You can use your walk tactically to make it more than just simple exercise. For example, walk to the shop to buy four cans of Guinness. Walk mm. to the shop to buy four cans of San Miguel. Walk to the shop to buy a <laughs> bottle of wine
0: there's a Have theme emerging
4: something. here um and <laughs> yeah. and it's that's the you like walking yes that's the one that's the only theme here what about um, those um those cold lattes that you like i've been not i've yeah I've, i mean it's snowing outside mate i don't need <laughs> a nice latte yeah, you,
6: you would usually drink that when we were back in the office in those days didn't matter rain or shine you were drinking
4: those that is true. Um, I've, I've had probably, I reckon, five in the last 10 months. Every now and then I get wow. one of the, the Starbucks ones, the, um, like the, the, the like, I don't know, macchiato, the caramel macchiato ones, the frozen ones, but not frozen, uh, chilled ones, but they're like yeah. £1.99 for a little bottle, man. Yeah. The ones I used to get were in the £3 meal deal from Tesco. It's different, <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> different stuff. But I had a particularly amazing walk yesterday. It was for, for Rachel's birthday. We went out to the local park in the snow. There were kids sledding down hills and Having been starved of any real outdoor activity for the last ten months, Rachel and I got a bit excited. We actually ended up in the cha- in the children's play park, and we were on the swings. You're not allowed. Late- you're not allowed in children's play parks, mate. We've talked about this before. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it honestly felt like a normal day again for the first time, just because there were so many people around, people having fun, smiling, laughing. I just don't see people anymore. It just doesn't really happen. But anyway, that's that's the third best time of the day. The second best time of the day during a global pandemic is nap time and this will usually follow walk time because walking is tiring uh, so after walking i would need to have a nap case in point yesterday two hours playing in the snow was pretty tiring so tucked up for a nice nap between four and 6 30 something like that woke up had a chinese takeaway watched x-men brilliant day absolutely brilliant day all set up by the walk then the nap so jealous good <laughs> fantastic so jealous. and the best time of the day during a global pandemic is undoubtedly whenever the football kicks off i simultaneously feel like i'm drowning in football um but also that i'd be lost without it it's Mm. everywhere even the quiet midweek as we've talked about on this episode as coppa italia coppa del rey fa cup buying her out of the club world cup every time i think i'm feeling the football fatigue i pinch myself and ask how would you feel if there was no football Mm. and that's when the internal crisis really sets in so Thankful thank thankful for football, even if I feel like I'm drowning in it. I don't really know what I'd be I think I'd just pay eight hours a day on Call of Duty. Very, very unhealthy for you. Might as well split it four and four. Two games, four hours on COD.
5: <laughs>
4: and that that that's it. I imagine Dean's life is very different.
5: Very, very different. Um, Dean Dean doesn't know what a cod is and that's uh, That's how tired he is he's from... talking about fish
6: fingers <laughs>
5: <laughs> as long as they come with smiley waffles everybody's in and on that bombshell I think that's pretty much everything for today and all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much Sam mate. thank you very much to Dean
6: Jones Yes, everyone. Enjoy the Champions League over the next, like, month. (laughs) I've been Jack Collins.
5: (laughs) This has been Ranks FC. Thank you for listening to our slightly early uh, Champions League preview show. We hope it gets you in the mood for Europe's premier, but not most exciting, cup competition to return next week. We'll see you next week to talk about the most exciting competition, the Europa League. Till then, Ranks FC out.
4: Peace. Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all
0: about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gumble responsibly.
1: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two-for-two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me.
0: Nothing extra,
1: just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
2: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
0: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: Hey, friends. Are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com.
1: Hey parents, Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, Kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast.